Greetings, folks. Philip Bateman here at the Victorian State Energy Summit. I'm here with Mark Williamson from the Clean Energy Regulator, who's a leading government authority and does a few things. Mark, could you give us a bit of information about that? Yes, uh, Phil, there's a range of things that uh, we're pretty excited about at the moment. Uh, we get the tenders in for the Australian Carbon Exchange later this month, uh, both to build a new unit register and uh, one or more market operators, we hope. Um, and that'll just make uh, carbon markets a lot more transparent, make it uh, much faster and lower cost to uh, for businesses to get involved in, in carbon markets, uh, a lot more transparency in price and volume, but also guarantee of origin, uh, a world-class assurance system to uh, prove the integrity of claims of uh, low emissions products such as hydrogen, um, ammonia, and ultimately aluminium and steel and a range of other products. And there's been a variety of people here today from all kinds of levels of business, from sort of the impact investing side of things and then the actual technical producers. And we just heard from Italian companies like 80 years old who've just bought into Australia. And you represent the sort of the regulatory arm, if you will. Um, I've heard a bit of friction today about some of the mechanisms and things that people are feeling are holding back the sector. What would you say to that? Um, well, just need to clarify our role. We're uh, we're an economic regulator with an environmental objective, and our purpose is to accelerate carbon abatement for Australia. Mm. So we give incentives uh, for both small and large-scale renewables, and some of the friction that you heard talked about today was concern over whether or not there's an integrated approach from other regulatory bodies uh, uh, in relation to setting of Australian standards uh, for uh, distributed energy resources, for example. Uh, there's multiple states and governments, uh, states and territory governments, uh, regulators for electrical safety, and ultimately the electrical safety regulations uh, call up Australian standards. So it's that part of the regulatory framework, not the part that we run. Uh, yeah. We, in fact, give incentives for rooftop solar and incentive for renewables at all scales. Thank you for that clarification. And that begs the question, how's it going? <laughs> how's our stuff going? Yeah. I was reading your quarterly uh, carbon market yes. report, yeah. and the first section of that was saying that at the start of the pandemic, there was a massive um, uptake in rooftop PV solar for homes, that's tailored off a little bit, but that's probably because the demand got chewed up. Um, well, look, it's a great question. Back in 2016, Australia added 750 megawatts of rooftop solar, mm. and we have the highest penetration in the world. Last year, that was 3,200 megawatts. Mm. Uh, so it's been an enormous growth rate, and the pandemic uh, probably kept it going stronger. We've seen a very strong alignment between ABS data on home improvements and rooftop solar. So everybody was at home during the pandemic and not travelling, and they're spending the money on home improvements, including rooftop solar. We have seen that come off the boil a bit this year as people are spending their money on other things, such as overseas trips. But uh, we did say in that quarterly carbon market report, we do expect this sector to rebound. And we kind of heard today from a few players saying it is happening as uh, people start to, on 1 Ju July, see uh, potential increases coming through to the electricity bills. So all of this talk about energy prices uh, is leading to consumers do what consumers do. And uh, so hopefully we will see a pickup uh, later on in the year. But it's amazing. Australia has... Uh, uh, one in three properties um, that can have rooftop solar does, so if you exclude high-density apartments. Uh, uh, but uh, we are seeing innovative business models to put solar on uh, high-density apartments as well. 
and I've been renting for a long time and I just actually heard the question that um, what are people who are doing that are renting in apartments, what do they do about solar? And when I actually first moved in, or access to EV charging actually was the core of it, because when I first moved into my apartment block, the first thing I said to the owners is like, well, when can I put a charger downstairs? Because that's the limiting factor to me. And it was really refreshing to hear that by, I think it was by 2030, the suggestion was, that it might have been 2040. It'll be a standard in all residential developments. So we simply will accept it like, I didn't realize we didn't have air conditions. It, air conditioners are standard 20 years ago. There was someone else in the pa- on the panel said mm. that, but I do think that's very much possible with EV charging. Uh, my chair loves the saying, we often overestimate the change in two years and underestimate it in 10. Yeah. And I do think that ultimately when uh, uh, internal combustion engine vehicles fall away and it's all about EVs, that will have to happen. But in terms of your renting ones, a great question. And uh, one of the policies of the new uh, uh, Australian government uh, is, in fact, solar banks and community batteries. And uh, I think that is intended to potentially help those in high-density apartments, whether they're owners or renters, to be able to access uh, solar, uh, cheap solar electricity uh, uh, as well. So I think that's really a, going to be an exciting initiative. And we had Zoe Daniel chairing the first session today. We've just had Monique Ryan chairing the session you were in. What has this transition of government that's recently happened, I'd, I'd say relatively significant transition of government, um, how have things changed for you? Do you feel more empowered in some way? Do you think there's things you can say now you wouldn't have said back then, stuff you're excited about, or you don't have to answer the question? It's... Well, look, as a true Commonwealth public servant, yeah. uh, I need to say our job is truly to serve the government of the day. Yeah. Um However, we had a lot of exciting things on the agenda anyway, and one of the things the the new government uh, said in the election campaign that it wanted us and the policy department to assist with declining the baselines for the the big emitters who are covered by the safeguard mechanism. And so that's certainly something we're very excited to to be part of and to work on uh, how that policy can evolve to uh, to help Australia get faster to uh, uh, towards its net zero by 2050 target. Mm-hmm. So certainly uh, we expect to be uh, very busy and very excited. Uh, we think our purpose of accelerating carbon abatement is very uh, important mm-hmm. uh, and we're happy to help out with any policies the government wants us to on that front. All right. I've got a lay question and a technical question. The amount of terms that have been thrown around here about the size of energy generation, terawatts, gigawatts, megawatts, um, massive numbers and figures, is there an easy way to relate this to an individual or a household when we talk about needing X amount of baseload power or transitions? How do you, how do you basically convey that? Uh, look, I think the simplest thing to say is this year uh, in the whole of Australia, and it does vary, Philip, uh, from state to state, but Australia will average 35% uh, renewable energy in in all of its grids. That's yeah. whole of Australia and there are, there are multiple grids. Tasmania is uh, is net 100%. Mm. South Australia now probably is over 70%. So it does vary quite a bit. Mm. That's kind of in the overall sense, the total average uh, um, has probably doubled in the last four to five years. Mm. So that's a pretty amazing result. But we do see on the current trajectory if electricity demand stays the same, and it won't because with electric vehicles and everything, it will increase, we are currently on a trajectory to be 50% renewables by uh, 2026, mm. and we will be at the government's 82% by uh, 
2030. Yeah. But then as part of electrifying everything, it's going to create enormous demand for more renewable energy and especially for green hydrogen and ammonia, aluminium and steel. There's a great opportunity for Australia to export its renewable energy in those sort of forms. And that's where Guarantee of Origin comes in to underpin the integrity of those claims um, and to make sure there's no greenwashing and that confidence is given to, to purchase those those green products. Mm. So that's, so we are on a fast trajectory. Mm. We have, you know, we, we are potentially making one of the fastest transitions of any country in the world. And that's mm. really exciting. Yeah. I looked through, I think it was about 21 projects you had listed there for the origin, um, the certificate of origin trial. Mm. And the scale of what's going on there is just fantastic. Yes. And- we have really large mm. companies like Fortescue Future Industries with mm. bold plans. Uh, so we have a, a number of really large companies involved in those trials. And that's really designing a new scheme with, with real commercial players. Mm. And at the same time, People in our policy department in the international area are, are negotiating with uh, countries that want to buy um, our clean energy in all of those forms. Uh, and Australia has amazing natural advantages. We uh, we have uh, the same land mass as the US, but one thirteenth of the population. Um, we have better solar and wind resources, but we're the biggest miner of uh, uh, iron ore and bauxite. Uh, so we have all the ingredients to value add uh, into exporting our renewable energy in all sorts of forms, whether that be a, an offshore cable to Singapore, the Sun Cable Project, or as hydrogen or ammonia, or exporting actually clean metals, uh, green metals. So uh, pretty exciting times uh, for Australia and uh, some great opportunities, I think, for our economy. Economy, uh, and people generally. Two final questions. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? <laughs> um, changed my mind about? That's an exciting question. Well, it wasn't terribly long ago, uh, you know, before uh, the war in Ukraine and we've seen these high energy prices, we were seeing uh, ultra-low negative pricing through solar during the, the middle of the day. That's kind of gone away for the time being. So uh, that's amazing how things can change. But I think for many reasons, we need to hope the war in Ukraine ends, uh, particularly for the people of Ukraine. Um, but but um, ultimately, things will come back to uh, uh, change. But that's been a, a, a an amazing transformation where we've gone from negative prices in the middle of the day to such high prices uh, uh, with coal and gas prices going up. And uh, sorry, the second question, Philip, was... Oh, the second question I haven't put to you yet, <laughs> but if there's one thing you wanted people to know about Australia's transition towards a renewable grid, what would you tell them? Um, well, that we are on a fast trajectory and the the new government wants to speed that up and is proposing to invest in transmission, which we really need to because, again, to put it in a simple way, the old coal generators were close to the big cities, close to the load sources, and that's where the grid is strong. Where our great uh, wind and solar resources are are out at the end of the grids where the grid's quite skinny. And so... We've been going very fast. We need to speed it up, uh, and it will be investing in the grid in a big way. And and that's going to be challenging, and uh, so we will need lots of storage along the way. It could be a bit of a bumpy road on this transition as fast transitions are, but uh, I think Australia is well-placed to, uh, to, to be a world leader, which is pretty exciting in the space. And we are in rooftop solar. You know, uh, yeah. Australians, everyday Australians have... 
done in terms of putting rooftop solar on what no other people in any other country have done. And I think Australians ought to be collectively proud of what they've done. Yeah, really speaks to that individual Aussie innovation thing, just get it done, eh? And it, it, it's people power too, Philip. You know, um, um, people haven't all banded together and decided to do this. They've made their own decision that, one, it's a really good business case. The average payback period in most capital cities, particularly working from home, is less than four years. Wow. Um, and uh, on top of that, um, you know, so that's the sort of payback period. And people know that they're doing their bit for the environment and uh, to help reduce um, um, emissions in Australia, which right. is great. Thank you for your time and for your work. Thanks, Philip. Organisational leaders you know that are hell-bent on changing the world for the better probably don't have the most effective strategy when it comes to digital marketing and video, and that's why I'm here. Get me in touch with them so we can get on this mission and we can create change at a much faster pace.